On Sunday night, we're in a sermon series entitled Women of Faith. Women who don't always have a name that are in the Bible. But God knows who they are because they have exhibited faith. Sometimes a faith that was amazing. Sometimes a faith that was awesome. But always a faith that brought about salvation and change in their life. If your faith hasn't saved you, you need to get a new faith. If your faith hasn't changed you, you need to get a new faith. Because when you put your faith in the living God, He will save you and He will change you. That's what He's all about. And so far we've looked at a lot of different women and how faith made them whole in so many ways. Tonight in John chapter 4, a Samaritan woman's faith. Now tonight I'm going to read to you from a different translation. I normally read from the King James, but I believe there's other translations that are valid. And I'd like to read to you beginning in John chapter 4, verse 7, through the 20, through verse 26. A lot of scripture but I want to read the Scripture. I believe the Scripture can stand on their own. And then we'll do some commentary. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. John chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into town to buy food. She says to him, How is it that you, a Jew... Ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman. She asked him, for the Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said, if you knew the gift of God, and who is speaking to you, give me a drink. You would ask of him, and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket. And the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well. He drank it from it himself. All of his sons and livestock did as well. Verse 13, Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whosoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, Give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back to this well to draw water. Jesus said, I will. But first, go call your husband. He told her, go call your husband and come back here to me with him. And she said, I don't have a husband. And he said to her, you have correctly spoken, I don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands. And the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is the truth. Sir, the woman replied, 
I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, yet you Jews say that the place of worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. Think about that. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Verse 25, the woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He shall be called Christ. When He comes, He will explain everything to everybody. In verse 26, Jesus said, I am. Remember what I am means? He's calling Himself God. He says, I am He, the one that you're speaking of. Valentine's Day was not too far off. And I heard about a card company that put out some cards for people who have a secret lover. You heard me correctly. You're married, but you also got a secret lover. A mister or a mistress that you dilly-dally with on the side. Now, this card company probably knows the statistics. It is estimated by those who do studies of such things that 25% of all married men fool around on the side. 10% of all married women fool around on the side. So maybe this company was thinking, if we can tap into that 25% of the married men, that 10% of the married women, and we can get them to buy a Valentine's card for their secret lover, we will make a now, their best card, now they had about 16 or 17 cards you could choose from. <laughs> but their best card, I thought was interesting what it said. Now remember, you're sending this to your secret lover. My soul has been searching for you since I came into this world. All my life I've been empty inside. Like a part of me has been missing or incomplete. That is, until I met you. Even if I have to share you, part of you is better than none of you. Isn't that sweet? That's the card that you can send, their number one card to send to your secret lover. Now seriously, I hope, <laughs> I really hope, that you're not an adulteress or in a memorial relationship tonight. I hope that you didn't buy on Valentine's Day a card for your spouse and a card for your secret lover. Because the Bible does say that one day, what's done in secret, 
will be shouted from the rooftop. That what's done in the dark one day is going to come to the light. You keep that in mind for those of you who might be involved with secret lovers. Now I say all of that to lead us into our story tonight. Because tonight we're looking at the story of an immoral woman. A woman who has been in the darkness of sin for a long, long time. And in John chapter 4, she is about to experience the light of the world. Her darkness is about to be invaded by the light of the living God. And this is her story. It's about noontime. The sun is at its highest. The sun is at its hottest. Most of the ladies of the town come and get the water in the morning when it's cooler. But she doesn't come with them because they probably will not allow her to come with them. They're not allowed to associate with her. She's not allowed to associate with them. You see, she is a Samaritan woman. She's a half-breed. The Samaritans were a half-breed race. They were half-Jew, they were half-Gentile. The Jews didn't want them because they had Gentile blood in them, and the Gentiles didn't want them because they had Jewish blood in them. They were a people without a homeland. And she was a Samaritan woman. Not only was she a half-breed, but she was no count. They said in Jesus' day that Samaria was the armpit of of Israel. The armpit of Israel. And the Samaritans who lived in Samaria were the armpit hares. If that's nauseating, that's how they were looked at in that day. And so it's noontime, and this woman comes by herself to Jacob's well. This half-breed, no-count woman comes to draw water for her family for the day. This woman has been married five times. Not just married five times, but she's also been divorced five times. And she's now living in a shack-up relationship with number six. Reminds me of a lady who also had multiple marriages in her past. She married a banker. She married an actor. She married a preacher. She married an undertaker. When asked about that, she said, quite simple, one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, four to go. (laughs) I don't know if she had this philosophy, but she was married five times, divorced five times, living with the sixth. And because of all of this, she has a reputation in her town She has a reputation as a miscuous, immoral woman. And for that reason, she's shunned by the women, as I told you earlier, because they see her as a threat. But she's also hit on by the men who see her as a treat. 
So you can see she, she doesn't have a good reputation. And while she's at the well getting her water, this immoral woman who lives in the darkness of life engages in a conversation with a man she has never seen before. That man has a name. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you read this story of the conversation that goes back and forth, I don't know if it ever crossed your mind that she probably has some prejudices against men. Wouldn't you? She's been married five times and apparently had five bad husbands. She got rid of every one of them. Now she's trying the sixth, kind of kicking the tires before she marries him to see if he might work out. You see, she is engaging in a conversation with a man that I wonder, just think with me now, let's be honest. I wonder if he isn't interested in me in an unbecoming way. I mean, after all, he's a Jewish man talking to her. Jewish men did not talk to Samaritan women. In fact, the Jewish people had nothing to do with the Samaritans. They were considered, as I said, nasty and nauseating. You just don't mess with them. And yet here is Jesus engaged in a conversation with her at noontime at a well where normally she's the only one there. And he asked her, would you like some water? And she looks at him and probably wondering, I've had a lot of come on lines before, but never one like this. He's asking me if I want some water. He doesn't have a dipper. He doesn't have a bucket. And he's asking me if I want some water. I've heard it all. <laughs> you see, she's, she doesn't know who Jesus is. And maybe because of her past, she thinks he's just another man hitting on her. Another come on line, if you will. Well, this woman indeed needs some water. She's thirsty and she's dry, but not physically, spiritually. Her soul is parched by the deserts of sin. You ever been there? Physically, you're okay, but spiritually, you're hungry, you're thirsty. Your lips, your spiritual lips are parched because you've been living in the desert of sin. That's where she's at. Now, I want you to understand something. She's not a young chick. She's got some age on her. And she's tried a lot of things to try to satisfy the thirst that's in her soul. She's tried a lot of things to try to bring moisture to the parched soul that she possesses. And nothing's worked. 
She's tried looking beautiful. You see, our young people have been sold a bill of goods that all that matters is how you look. And so they spend a lot of time and a lot of money developing their exterior looks and they neglect the interior where true beauty is. I can imagine in her days she was pretty attractive. Maybe not so much now. Father time and Mother Nature can do a work on you. And maybe it's done a work on her. But she's tried the beautiful thing and she's still dry. She's tried relationships. You know, some of us here tonight think, if I can just get me a man, I'll be satisfied. Be careful what you ask for. If I can just get me a woman, I'll be satisfied. (laughs) Be careful what you ask for. She had five husbands. Not a single one of them ever satisfied her. Now she's living with the sixth, and I don't think she cares for him either. Because remember, as Jesus is talking with her, I believe in the initial conversation, she's wondering, is he interested in me? And if he is, I might pursue it with him. She's been promiscuous. Sexual relationship after sexual relationship after sexual relationship. And some of you think, that's, that's what all I need, just sex, 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 sex will make me happy. No, it won't. She had all the sex she needed and wanted. She's still empty. She's still dry. She's had all the relationships you would want. She's still empty. She's still dry. She was a looker in her day. But she's still empty and dry. She even has religion. She engaged Jesus in some religious talk, if you noticed. Religion. And by the way, everybody has religion. You know who invented religion? The devil. Because religion takes your mind off what the Bible says about relationship. Jesus didn't come to introduce to the world a new religion. He came to introduce to us a relationship with God through Himself. By the way, the hardest people to reach for Jesus are people who have religion. It's easier to reach drunks in a gutter, harlots in a bar, than it is to reach people who have religion, because they're smug in their religion. And the worst sin in the world, as I told you last week, is to take your wickedness and call it goodness and think that impresses God. We get a religion that makes us feel okay. She knew all about religion, but it didn't fill her. She was still dry. She had trinkets and treasures. I guess if you've had as many men as she's had in her life, you will have a few things. She's had the flowers, she's had the candy, she's had the wine. 
She's had the jewelry. She's had the clothes. She's had the chariot. You say, chariot? Yeah, they didn't have cars in that day. You had chariots. Are you understanding what I'm saying? She's been thirsty in her soul for a long time. And she's drank from the well of Jacob physical water. But physical water cannot satisfy a part soul. The square pegs of this world cannot fill the round hole that is in us that God put there. And she's frustrated. She's aggravated. She wants peace of mind. She wants joy of heart. But she can't find how to have it. But she wanted something different. And that's why Jesus went to Samaria. As we've said many times in this series, the Lord comes to those who are seeking Him. Because if you seek Him, He will make sure you find Him. You say, I haven't found Him and I'm looking for Him. No, you're not looking for Him. That's why you haven't found Him. You're not looking for Him any more than a thief looks for a policeman. But this dark, immoral woman, as bad as she is, wants something better. She wants something that can satisfy the thirsty soul. She just doesn't know where to find it. And Jesus comes to her. Now I think it's worth noting that she's probably ashamed of who she is. She's probably ashamed at what she's done. I'm sure she wants to be better. I believe she looks at herself in the mirror and says, I'm really a good person. I've just got caught up in in the bad of life and I don't know how to get off the track of it. Her life is a mess and she wants something to help her. Is your life a mess tonight? Do you yearn on the inside of this messy outside of your life for something that can give it order? For something that can give you peace? For something that can give you joy? For something that can give you hope? For something that can satisfy you? She did. Her life was a mess. It was a mess of guilt. She was haunted by her past. Edgar Allan Poe wrote a short story called The Telltale Heart. You may have read it before. Essentially, it's a story about a man who murdered somebody. And he buries them under his bedroom. Under the bedroom floor, he puts the dead body. And as people come and visit him, He wonders if they hear the beating heart of the person that he murdered that's underneath the floor of his bedroom because he hears it. And everybody that comes in, he hears the heart beating of that person he murdered and he says, these people must hear it. Surely they hear it. 
They're just humoring me. They're just playing with me. They're just messing with me. They know what I did. They know that I murdered somebody. They can hear his heart. I hear it. Of course, the story ends with the police coming to visit him. And he confesses the crime. Haunted by the guilt of what he did. And the imaginary heartbeat that he thought everybody else heard. She lived her life day by day. She was haunted by her past. She wasn't proud of who she was. She wasn't proud of what she did. But she didn't know how to get rid of the ghost of the past that were haunting her. Her life was a mess because it was so empty. She wasn't satisfied. The Rolling Stones wrote a song years ago. It was their trademark song. I can't get no satisfaction. But I believe it's the trademark song for for people just like you and I, perhaps. We go through life and we grab for everything under the sun, but we can't find no satisfaction because we don't grab for the sun, S-O-N. Her life is a mess of guilt. Her life is a mess of emptiness. Her life is a mess of loneliness. The only reason men want to be with her is what they can get out of her. They use her. They abuse her. They trash her. No one cares for her. Hank Williams had a song, I'm so lonesome I could cry. And I believe in her private moments, she wept over how lonely she was. Maybe she had a male body next to her, but she was lonely. Her life was a mess of guilt, a mess of emptiness, a mess of loneliness, a mess of confusion. She tried everything, as we talked about earlier. Everything she was told, if you have this, you'll be satisfied. If you do this, you'll be satisfied. If you be this, you'll be satisfied. And she found out it was a lie. She had a mess of gloom. Like the little hamster on the track, around and around she went. But she never knew how to get off. You know, that woman is a picture, I think, of so many men and women today. Their life is just one big mess. They're not happy with who they are. They're not happy with what they have. They're not happy with what they're doing or what they've done. They've tried this. They've tried that to try to quench a parched soul. They can't get relief. Their life is a huge mess of guilt and emptiness and loneliness and confusion and gloom. And Jesus comes to her and talks to her about the answer. It's the living water that He can give. Now, if you read John chapter 4, and we did, and you can read it again. There's other verses to add to it. You'll notice that the Spirit of God begins to open up her eyes to who He is, speaking of Jesus. I call this progressive revelation. 
When she starts out with Jesus, she meets him at the well, remember? I believe he's nothing more to her than a flirtatious man. Like all the other flirtatious men. Who's got a line that he's trying to put on her. Would you like some water? (laughs) Who's trying to do a little come on, trying to play her a little bit. Because he wants something out of her. I believe she sees him as that, just a flirtatious man, no better, no worse than all the others. But then Jesus begins to talk, and the Spirit of God begins to move in her mind and heart, and she says, maybe he's not a flirtatious man, maybe he's a prophet. Remember when Jesus said to her, you've had five husbands, and you're living with the six, and she said, how in the world do you know that? Are you a prophet? So Jesus, as the the conversation continues, he goes from a flirtatious man, just another Tom, Dick, and Harry after something, to a prophet. A man who can look inside minds and hearts and know what you think and what you feel. But the Spirit of God's still working. And Jesus goes from a flirtatious man. He goes from a mind-reading prophet to the Messiah. Think about the progression. The Spirit of God is working in her. This Jesus, He's not a flirtatious man. This Jesus is not a mind-reading prophet. This Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Christ. The one the Jewish people have been looking for. Wow. But that's not all. He's got one more place he's got to go. He's got to go from the Messiah of the Jewish people to her Savior. And in that conversation, verse 42... We didn't read that far. She goes back and she tells the people. He's the Savior of the world. How would she know that? Because the Spirit of God revealed it to her and that Savior of the world was her Savior. This is called progressive revelation. And I want you to listen to me as I close. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells a story, a parable if you will, beginning in verse 24 and 25. And he talks about truth. And he talks about how God gives truth to us. The Spirit of God brings truth to us. If we receive that truth and respond to that truth, God will give more truth to us. If we will receive that truth and respond to that truth, God will give more truth to us. Are you following me? The more you want to drink of the water of truth, the more water of truth He will give you. It will be progressive revelation. You will learn more and more and more as you want to learn more and more. 
But you've got to receive what He gives you and respond to it. But if you choose not to receive it, if you choose not to respond to it, if you choose to be stuck right where what you're at, Jesus says, not only will I not give you any more truth, because you're not doing anything with the truth I've already given you, but I not only will I not give you any more, listen to this, He says, I'll take from you what you do, God. It's a dangerous thing, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to your pastor. It's a dangerous thing to sit under preaching and teaching of the Word of God and do nothing with it. You would be better to be ignorant than to hear the truth and do not receive it and respond to it. And this immoral Samaritan woman, the Spirit of God began to work. She said, I believe Jesus is a flirtatious man trying to hit on me. And the Spirit of God said, no, he's not. He's a prophet. And she said, I believe he's a prophet then. The Spirit of God says, no, he's not. He's the Messiah. She says, well, I'll take him as the Messiah. The Spirit of God said, no, he's the Savior of the world. He is your Savior if you'll let him. And she responded. And she received And her life was forever changed. How do we know that? Because as soon as she met Jesus, she ran back to her town. And I'm sure the women of the town already knew she was with another man. And she gathers them all into the city square. And she says, I have found what I was looking for. It's not a man. It's not marriage. It's not sex. It's not things. It's not pleasures. It's not beauty. I have found what I've been looking for all my life. It's Jesus. And I gave Him my life. And He saved my soul. And I've come back to tell you what He did for me, He'll do for you. Wow. You know, the greatest evidence that you have found Jesus is you give Jesus away. She couldn't contain herself. She was a hungry beggar, and she went back to a bunch of other hungry beggars and told them where she found bread. Wow. Wow. Isn't that a good story? A good story with a happy ending of how a lady with a messed up life who tried everything met Jesus, responded to the truth that He gave to her, the Spirit of God gave to her, and how her life was radically, dramatically changed as she received and responded to that truth. You see, folks, sometimes we try to get too complex with a lot of stuff. All this woman knew was she was a sinner. He was a Savior. And she brought all of her sin to all of His salvation. And He met her where she was at and saved her soul. And then she went out and she told others. She didn't know all the Bible answers. She didn't know all the 
things that people ask us that we get terrified about answering. She said, listen, I don't know all that stuff. All I know is I was in darkness, now I'm in the light. I once was thirsty, now I'm, my thirst has been quenched. I was going to hell, but now I'm going to heaven. And His name is Jesus. Wow. What a story. As I told you before, there's a baseball hall of fame in Cooperstown, New York. There's a football hall of fame in Canton, Ohio. There's a rock and roll hall of fame in Cleveland, Ohio. There's other hall of fame scattered across our great nation, honoring politicians and celebrities and sports figures. I believe there's a hall of fame in heaven. And I believe when we get there, we'll give it, be given a tour of that Hall of Fame. And I think we're going to see some people there that we never thought would be there. Oh, we're going to see the ones that we thought should be there. The great evangelists, the great preachers, the great theologians, the great Sunday school teachers. But I think we'll also see beside them a lot of unnamed people, unknown people down here. But God saw something in their life that showed faith. And they gave their faith to Him. And He gave His salvation and transformation to them in return. And I believe that Samaritan woman is going to be there. A testimony that if your life's a mess, there's a Savior who can straighten it out. If you're thirsty, there's a Savior who can quench that thirst. If you're looking for something you never found, if you'll just try Jesus, you'll never try anything else again. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.